Welcome back to Chad and Steve Have a Podcast. Chad, you know, last time we talked, we were talking about this channel that JJ recommended to us. It's yes. called NFKRZ, short for No Fuckers, and it's oh. by... <laughs> oh, there goes our rating on this show now. <laughs> so the um, it's a Roman. It's a friend of JJ's. And so I've been watching this channel for a couple of months. And it's interesting because he has these inside looks into Russia, what it's really like living in Russia. Well, needless to say, since what's been going on the past couple of weeks, he had to address all of this. And it's fascinating to see his point of view on like basically Russia getting canceled, all of the companies moving out of Russia and how to be a content creator working there. Oh my God, it's just got to be stifling. And here's, here's the weird thing. So he just had a video called Russia is canceled. Every company is leaving Russia, you know, about Visa, MasterCard, how he's going to get paid, you know, Apple's pulling out everything. And how much this affects just regular, regular people. But two videos ago, when this first, when the conflict first started, he had a video and it was called, and I, I just have to think back, I, it was called, we didn't ask for this, or none of us wanted this, something like that. And in that video, he was talking about how he was nervous to even post that because mm -hmm. of the repercussions and what might happen by kind of speaking out video is no longer on his channel. So I don't know what happened. If he took it down, if he was just nervous, if he was kind of like not so politely asked to remove it or what, but here we are. It's surreal to see this conflict kind of playing out in real time in 2022 with this connected as we are and the ability to have information kind of flow uh, in and out of a particular country like Russia. Is it my understanding that people in Russia can't watch YouTube right now so you can create YouTube and other people would be able to see it or would his channel somehow be restricted because it's from I don't Russia, think that they or? can have there's no advertising on the in on your channel. I think that there will be advertising for us watching his channel. We'll see the ads on our end, but there's nothing on their end. So, but I think he's also worried about exactly how he's going to get paid. And I think that so many, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see what YouTube does because Twitter is pulled out. So he can't, he doesn't have access to Twitter, Facebook, uh, I, Google and YouTube are still, still there, but what a scary time for people who are just caught up in all of this, regardless of what particular country's borders you happen to find yourself in. The amount of people who have affected by these, um, you know, actions and have nothing to do with it, and now having liberties struck, uh, you know, stripped away from them and access to money and information. It's scary. It's a scary it thing. I mean, he's, you know, obviously he could accept some crypto and that sort of thing for payments, I suppose, but. You know, it, it's hard because these sanctions, obviously, they seem to be stifling the country. But mm -hmm. for regular people, man, they just want to try to get by. Before uh, before going to bed last night, I was doom scrolling on Reddit, as I shouldn't do. <laughs> no, not before bed. Um, but you know what? Usually in and around times where there is such large news stories, I find myself really it's really difficult to kind of like tear away from it and uh, mcdonald's i think recently 
uh, said that they're going to be closing all. Yeah. And I think they have, you know, many, <laughs> many restaurants in, in uh, around Russia. And I saw um, some video from Russia coming out and it was just a lineup for the drive through before yeah. they close so they can get their last kind of like Pick taste back. of McDonald's. And as much as I was like, wow, that's surreal and whatnot it's it's crazy and also again scary to think that people are just having all of these things just stripped away stripped away from them yeah, and, he showed ikea in his video that ikea is closing down and it was just a madhouse so the last day that ikea was staying opened it was just crazy I, I was I, I personalized it and thought about like what would I do if I knew everything was like what would be the thing that I would go out and and it must be such a scary and uncertain time for all of these people what a great beat to start off the podcast yeah with. you know I don't want this podcast to be <laughs> <laughs> a downer podcast we're here to talk about online life and I guess that's part of it but I don't and that's that, why obviously. you brought it up this is actually yeah. it's also very important to like we we also wanted to use this podcast to share about YouTube channels that are doing things which are unique and different for the platform and this is an excellent example of someone being able to use the platform to speak on a subject um so what was the name of the channel once again uh nfkrz no fuckers there you go if you are interested in seeing or hearing yeah. some additional perspective about what's going on over there um yeah go and check it out hey what do you think about this YouTube really leaning into podcasting. Is this something we need to think about? <laughs> so, I yeah. So yeah. apparently we do. I, I sent the article to you yesterday. And YouTube just wants to do everything that is online. It's like, we're going to just handle it all right here. And I've been thinking about this more and more. Is it because our viewing patterns fit more into what YouTube offers anyway? So they're just kind of like welcoming everybody with open eyes. They don't need to change into becoming YouTube TV and doing full 30 minute and 60 minute kind of episodic programming because people I think are kind of moving towards a viewing session, just being also sit down and like flip through some videos. I find Melissa and I doing that a lot more during evenings after like going through Netflix for about an hour and, 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 flipping around and not finding anything in the traditional sense, no series to binge or no movie to really get It's almost into. as if scrolling has become its own form of entertainment. So instead of going and watching an episode of Saturday Night Live, we'll go on YouTube and just binge a bunch of clips or go down a really good playlist that was curated by the Saturday Night Live YouTube channel and just kind of watch it that way. And I've realized recently, it's like, YouTube doesn't need to change to bring viewers over. It's like this is the viewing experience that has always been available for them. So they're they're just they're just willing to do anything. They've had music the whole time, so why not start a me music streaming service? Yeah, which I actually switched to. So oh, you're not I'm using trying Spotify. To, I'm trying to move on from Spotify. Um, I'm doing my best to figure out how I can actually support artists. <laughs> But yeah. because I have heard a lot about, you know, just how much, even though Spotify is the largest platform, it's one of the lowest paying and so many other people are involved with making money off of essentially an artist's music, the Joe Rogan. And I was on, I was not on one side or the other, as far as the Joe Rogan thing is concerned. However, there was one person which brought up a really interesting point. They said, Spotify was built off of the music, musicians, artists who put their music up there. And like, that's what the platform was. So when Spotify takes the money that it's earned off of other musicians' music and spends $100 million to lure 
Joe Rogan in. It's almost like artists have a bit of a say and uh, the ability to have their voices heard on that particular platform. And it was a very interesting perspective. I'd never thought about it that way because I was like, well, if you don't like Joe Rogan, just don't listen to it. But I didn't understand the the what was being set by Spotify by saying we're actively spending our money, which comes from all of you. So this is your money as well to to like bring him on. We didn't give it a hundred million dollars to Metallica to bring Metallica's music on. We're bringing Joe Rogan on so you can listen to his podcast. And I can see how that like really muddy. So it, anyways, it just started turning me off of the whole thing. And just Spotify sometimes is a, 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 a a bad experience, like a bad user experience. So I just wanted something different. And hey, I have YouTube Premium anyway, so YouTube Music comes with YouTube Premium. I've had YouTube Premium for years. I love it. It's fantastic. And I, the people who watch a regular, like a good amount of videos on their phone, like most people do whenever you're searching something and then you get linked to a YouTube video or you just are watching a YouTube video on your phone. The amount of people who are willing to rationalize and normalize sitting through five seconds of commercials before skipping the, skipping the thing and do it over and over and over again. I just realized that I was getting to the point where it's like, man, I keep saying that I, I should get it so I don't have to deal with these commercials. <laughs> and then as soon as I did and paid the a $11 yeah. a month or however much it was. I was like, this is the best investment ever because I realized how many times I was sitting through and watching five seconds of commercials before oh, skipping. I can't, I can't imagine doing that anymore. I don't know. I don't understand what this, the podcast thing that they, I mean, what's different? What would be different about YouTube? They're trying to lure in podcasters, I guess, to do it. But I mean, they could do that already. I, I don't really understand. I mean, we do it sort of. I mean, not really because it's a pain in the ass to put video up on. It is, and, and we've an hour long, and yeah. we've talked to other guests who have had podcasts and have done video podcasts before. I think of Jared Paulin, and he was talking about the fact that it's like it. It just it ends up it ends up being a lot of work, and you really don't get a whole lot of. Um, his point was people really aren't going to YouTube to watch a podcast. However, I've noticed, especially H three podcasts, is a wonderful example. Uh, and Joe Rogan. I mean, the video component of it is so important. Joe Rogan's right. YouTube channel has over, well over 10 million views. And I think even if his clips, the, like the Joe Rogan Clips channel has well over 10 million It's almost as if though you have to bring a real video component to it. Just watching a couple of guys talk isn't enough. Because yeah. otherwise, why would you even need that? You know, I mean, just, just use an audio platform. That was kind of the point of podcasting, wasn't it? Was exactly. Then at what point is it no longer... I don't even know exactly how to define a podcast. I've always thought a podcast was an audio presentation, really. It's just, it's a conversation. It's usually long format. Although all of these rules are... I've seen podcasts that are just a few minutes long, you know. And I've seen good video shows on YouTube that... I guess could qualify as a podcast. I don't know. It's just how about people doing live streams, you know? Or like an interview talk show, which just happens right. to be recorded and then it gets released in an audio format, but it also has a video format. Is that called a podcast? Is it called a podcast? Because the iPod was it the iPod that kind of made it. Do you remember like we... when they like YouTube was starting? People were calling it video podcasts for a That's while. Right. There was yeah. yeah. Either way, it's the thing to do. And I think further to your first question, I think what YouTube's trying to do is the same thing that they've done with shorts, which is they clearly realize that, you know, places like Spotify are taking a serious investment um, uh, into the podcast market. 
and they don't want to be left behind. I know that Facebook, I think, is also kind of doing the same. So I, I'm sure it's like one of those, like, everybody's jumping on this. However, like they did with shorts, where they, like, have a $50 million or $500 million fund or whatever that was, I think they're probably just thinking the same thing. Will your mark $100 million try to attract as many podcasts as possible? In the article that Steve and I are talking about, for those of you who are listening, uh, it was just an article that says uh, YouTube is really looking to start attracting uh, and encouraging people to submit their video podcasts onto the platform. They clearly are probably going to try to, and I had mentioned this a few podcasts ago where YouTube should start breaking down their content uh, in more categories. They should categorize their content more. So shorts doesn't get mixed in with, uh, they should just have separate trending tabs. And there's the trending tab for podcasts. You know what shorts. would help a lot is if on your channel page, you could divide it up into shows, sort of like a yeah. TV channel, where it would be very clear whether it's, I think it would take a redesign of a channel page, really, mm -hmm. rather than that sort of linear look it has right now. It needs to be, look more like, like Netflix, really, where you would have tiles. So you would have a tile for I don't know what they'd call it, videos, just longs, you know, regular YouTube yeah, videos. Yeah. Then they would have one for live streams. You would have one for shorts and stories, I guess, if they still, if people still use that. <laughs> but all these different things would have a tile like on the right. top and then you could click that. And then in that tile, you would see all of these different things. And you're right, separating all of this stuff would be much better. But I like the idea of a channel uh, being comprised of all these different types of shows rather than constantly having to set up, oh, I got to have a second channel for this right. and I've got to have a channel for this. Then you could bring everything into one channel. Because I think they are trying to make it like one big giant feed like Facebook. And I think that's part of the, the downfall of Facebook is the Facebook yeah. um, focused on that one it's starting to look dated. page feed. And it really is starting to look dated. And I was looking at what an average, like, so the tabs right now on an, uh, your regular YouTube page is home, videos, playlist, community. Remember the community tab? Remember when they were really behind the community tab? <laughs> yeah. Channels. Uh, a channel channels, doesn't mean anything. That's which is just, irrelevant because the vast majority, outside of Steve Ramsey, who does an amazing job, because <laughs> you really do use that to, as an opportunity to like share um, channels that you like, channels that you watch and like whatever. So you show your subscriptions and show channels yeah. that you like. And that's what I always thought that that was there for. This is an opportunity to also talk about your, you know, you can link your second channel or whatever. And then the other one is about, um, so like that probably worked 10 years ago. That yeah. made a lot of sense. People were all behind pl playlists. So put your things in playlist. Now everything seems to be way more curated based upon percentage of watch time and retention and then feeding you videos which fit an algorithmic kind of like match See, that's what i'm wondering is and this got to be a dilemma for youtube because i'm not so sure see i don't think a lot of people actually go to channel pages maybe when you first find a channel you might look at it really quickly but i don't go to people's channel pages unless i'm actually researching something or i really like the channel right. i want to look through older videos and these sort of things but i don't think that Maybe YouTube doesn't really want you doing that either because then you're not on the homepage scrolling through random videos that they want to kind of feed you through the algorithm. And that homepage, that that landing homepage now that you get, which isn't a representation of your subscriptions, it's more of a representation of like, these are the juicy algorithm. You yeah. know, this is the stuff that's going to get you. We've seen what you watch. We see what you watch the most of. We see when you click off of things. We have your profile of who you are. And I've realized how 
crazy accurate they are at least with me um with being able oh, sure. to like the day after i sign into youtube.com and that like homepage comes up the top eight usually the top eight videos which end up getting shown on desktop for those of you who are wondering um are always usually bang on uh, and not yeah. just like a continuation of what i was watching before like different enough and like whatever but like they certainly have fit you into whatever your your silo is and they know what to feed you and uh, to the point where now you can start uh being like i'm not interested in this or you can say i am interested in this and that kind of also helps the algorithm and i find that like why would you need to actively do anything subscribe to a channel or whatever when you're viewing um tendencies will just dictate and stipulate to youtube what what you need to be watched so to your earlier point do you need to go to you know the woodworking for mere mortals landing page home page channel page uh to like go and click on the latest video or will it just automatically pop up yeah. as soon as you hit youtube.com i don't think the look the overall look of youtube is keeping up with what's currently the trend. If you all you got to do is I don't know if you have Roku or whatever, and you look through Prime, Netflix, any of these channels, they all have kind of adopted this similar style of of scrolling and tile based interface, I guess. And YouTube just doesn't. It's it does look dated. It's been a while. The last update they had was what maybe when they changed to this current. It was, it was a long time ago. Was... They've done like minor changes and they've added a few things, but like the core of what it looks like when they stripped off your ability to like customize your channel. Yeah, that, that was what, like almost 10 years ago, a probably. A lot of years ago. Yeah. Um, we should we should look into that and see when that actually was because that... <laughs> Come on, middle... YouTube, get with the times. <laughs> Stop trying to be TikTok and just do your thing. With... Like, just do your thing. Well, I guess maybe they are doing their thing. <laughs> Well, I think that, and I think that's what's leading to the podcast thing. So they're just going to open their wallets. They'll pay some people fifty or a hundred thousand dollars to attract them to bring their podcasts over exclusively to uh, YouTube. And is that what that means? If you take their money, do you have to just like you can't start uploading it on? Probably, but it, you know that's the thing about podcasts too. Then it's not a podcast because a podcast has an RSS feed, which is a really yes. geeky thing that you nobody knows about unless you are into podcasting. Because then it's it's like a code that lets that I don't even know how to describe it, and I do podcasts. It's just a code that lets your podcast be found on any podcast platform, right? But you can turn it off platform specific. I'm pretty sure. Like if I don't want this podcast to be sent to Audible or something, we can uncheck it, and right. I, I think it will just. So I think that's probably what YouTube. That's probably what. I don't, I don't know if like Joe Rogan was the same way when he signed on with Spotify. It was probably exclusive to Spotify. I don't know. So I think his, that amount of money is ex like his full-blown uh, episodes. Like I guess the full-length episodes are exclusive to Spotify. However, he still does. Uh, he had, uh, I saw yesterday, I watched a video. He had Mr. Beast on. Oh, really? Um, so it was great. It was interesting to see some like uh, YouTube um, yeah. connection to, to Joe Rogan. But he still releases clips on YouTube, clearly, it's a massive way to promote. I'm sure the the full interview or whatnot, but he he does the clips, and as we found out by doing podcasts, especially coming from a discipline of YouTube, and we're used to that kind of space. The thing that um, 
I learned rather quickly with podcasting was like, you have no idea where your audience is listening. It's very easy to talk in a YouTube video and be like, hey, we're on YouTube. We're doing YouTube things. I'm a YouTuber. But when you're like, I'm a podcaster, we're on the pod, pod, are you on Podcast Addict? Are you on Spotify? Are you on Deezer? Are you on Mm -hmm. Deezer? Are you on the (laughs) amount of different platforms? And the ones that I thought were the ones that, and for a while it was when we first started this podcast, like 85% of people were Apple Podcasts. Now it's like 40% and 40% Spotify, but now like Podcast Addict and yeah, there's a lot Pod, of them. like there's like smaller ones, which uh, so it's very difficult to just have one space where you can kind of talk and be familiar with who your audience is because you don't even kind of know where or how they're they're listening to you. So, it yeah, makes it, it is. A little it's very much more open ended, sort of like more like the way the Internet used to be where used to it was be. just kind of like a, a wider thing you know remember there used to be more directories and there used to be more yeah. and actually I, I i've wanted to ask this for a while have you noticed it's like just the quality of like an average website like the just the search results when you're searching for like a review on a vacuum cleaner for lack of a better example how many like BS scraper sites or Amazon affiliate sites or websites that were just looking like they were created using like AI code and just oh, it's like horrible. autogen. And that used to be rather suppressed by all of the wonderful algorithms that YouTube, or excuse me, Google had running to make it. So therefore, when you were actually looking for some solid product advice, A, there were a bunch of websites which were good review critical, like websites that were being run as websites. And now it kind of almost seems that everything's just to shoot you off to Amazon or just to get you to click to go somewhere else. There's no actual like good end space. And it's one of the things that has made me start thinking about like doing more work on our website, cleanmyspace.com, because way back in the day, you mentioned this in the last podcast, how much traffic could be generated from Pinterest. And Pinterest generated traffic from traditional websites. When we were releasing the videos, we would release a video on YouTube, and then we would take that video and embed it onto a page on our our website, cleanmyspace.com. And then we would also promote, go watch the video on our website, because on our website, we could put ads in the whatever. We didn't have the same restrictions that you do with obviously just um, doing a YouTube video. And then we would link, like put a specialized Pinterest image and then link it to like, and then you'd we'd be get so much traffic, millions and millions of views on our YouTube videos through other means, through outside of YouTube. And it was a great way to do it because Facebook used to do, uh, used to be able to, to do it on Facebook too. And it would bring up an image of the video and you could click on it. Back in the days when um, Facebook used to make a YouTube thumbnail, really small. So you can't <laughs> click on it. You right. can't just like go and like send people off of Facebook onto YouTube. But this was like a bit of a hack around it. You could go and send them to your website with an embedded video. Anyhow. All of that to say, um, I've just noticed that like webs- the website quality has just gone down. I just it's wanted crap. to find out if I wasn't the only person in the world. No, it's utter this. crap. In fact, it's it's getting so hard to find information quickly if if it's not in a Google snippet, you know, right when you ask a question or something. But for instance, I'll say like, uh, like maybe a, a simple when does the next season of Better Call Saul start or something like that? And you get to sent to a website, say, and 
what they do is it's just all basically just there to keep you there and reading the ads because it said instead of just giving you an answer it has to go through all these like iterations of asking that question a lot of people have been curious about better call saul better call saul is a show that started back in a lot of people want to know when the next season will start well we're here to tell you if you'd like the answer please scroll on and it keeps this kind of weird <laughs> language yeah. this weird dialogue going just to keep you on that and it's like just give me the damn answer um you know even finding a recipe online can get really frustrated unless you go to like all recipes or an actual site but if you just google a recipe oh my god it's one of these really frustrating sites and forget about a website on mobile those are i can't even hardly navigate them because there's so many weird pop-ups and video players playing and it's just you can't hardly scroll through them then they're, they're constantly like watch the slideshow to see the decks and it's this so unresponsive and they're so sluggish and it's like screw this i'm just done with that and everybody so that's why everybody just uses like five sites you know it's like facebook I, youtube whatever right. Uh, and really shifty ad placement, specifically designed to get, um, you know, irrelevant clicks and just like people th thumbing and not being able to like click past something. Uh, I remember back in the day when you used to have Google ads on your website, you could have a maximum of three. Or if you had enough content and your page scrolled right. enough, you could maybe get four. And then I remember they're like, wow, f the fifth ad, like a fifth ad on one page. And now I go to these websites that you will find the, those net worth ones are probably the best oh, or the the yeah. ce celebrity celebrity info.com it'll be like steve ramsey steve ramsey was born in march 14th da, 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 and like they go through and like you said they just keep repeating the same thing over yeah. and over again obviously it's i just get in it different it's, ways because they're trying right, to get it, answer those keyword questions. it's keyword stuffing without it actually being keyword stuffing but it just asks you know endless amounts of questions anyways all of this was not the case it's not like we haven't reached the point where we figured out how to like accurately use websites to get this information. We used, we had it in 2014, 2015, 2013, whatever those years, the early 2010s, it was a fantastic time. There were a lot of specialty websites that were still getting enough traffic to be relevant and da da da. And you could actually go and find a good va camera review website. It's just like, we're here to literally help you um, find the, you know, the best camera for you or, you know, da, da, da. We have a forum, we have a community, we built it like, and we're a website. Now everything needs to be like, Hey, check out our YouTube channel. And like, right. and, and their website ends up as like a, a way to like, just send you through to something else. Their social yeah. media or da, da, da. Exactly and the social that. media used to be used to send you get to your attention website. to what your core was <laughs> and now it literally is yeah. now you visit most people's website and they're like go find me on instagram because that's where i post all my interesting <laughs> stuff that's where the good stuff is why am i here no i look at my websites like 99 percent of the places i go on the internet are the same all the time it's i go to internet movie database i go to amazon to buy stuff youtube instagram it's about it that's <laughs> there's, it. there's not a whole lot else that I really go to. And it, I always hear people like, you know, they'll be on a podcast or something and they're like, um, don't, don't forget to visit my website. And I'm like, no, nobody's going to visit your website. <laughs> well, give me a reason to sometimes because like everybody on YouTube, they'll have a website. But when you go to that website, 
And the only reason I know this is because when I'm researching guests and this sort of thing, I usually just go to their about page on their website because maybe I can mm -hmm. learn more about them or something. But I look at the rest of the stuff and I'm like, well, it's just your YouTube posts on here or whatever. I, I'm the same way. It's just, that's, I haven't posted to my website in like six months or something because I thought it's just, what is the point? Other than, like you said, it's just generating traffic from Google that you think, well, if I just say enough words on there and I have enough word vomit that that Google is going to find it. And once they find that, then maybe that will lead them to YouTube or wherever. Yeah. It's totally backwards. It used to be you would always try to send people to your website. But no, YouTube doesn't want you leaving YouTube. I always treated my our website as the website that I would want to find if I were looking for the inf like this information. I was like, if I was looking for an in like a website about how to clean, I would want all of the information on that actual website and be able to be searchable on that website. And I get, I, I guess there's just also used to be a time where blogs and blogging <laughs> used to be just way more of a thing. Did all of those people move to Instagram? I just think like, no, so. now we just do Instagram because it's way too hard to shit. But there was something that gets lost along the way. They briefly moved to Tumblr, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tumblr is like the gateway before you, it's the, the social media gateway before you fully commit to Twitter or Instagram or something like that. I don't, perhaps this is old men waving their fists at cloud. However, I only bring it up because it's very difficult to get a solid book review or to find a solid comparison website which says here's the top five products in this category and here's some really good you know firsthand you know critical information about it i would tell you that about the guy i met at uh antonio's conference he had a influential conference you know a few years ago and there was a guy there and he was a undershirt seller i mean he, he manufactured and sold undershirts which in the fashion ah. and whole thing is a thing i didn't realize that there i didn't even know there was a difference between an undershirt and a t-shirt and he's like no no this is a whole thing it's like you if you're wearing a suit and you're properly dressed you want to protect your garments you're wearing a 300 dollars shirt you wear an undershirt underneath it to protect it well anyways there's this whole uh, industry surrounding the undershirts. So he has this company where he sells them online, but he also has this second website. He calls it Tug, the undershirt guy. And what it was, was him reviewing undershirt brands. Of course, the top one was always his own brand, but he, none of this was disclosed that it was like, well, really this review site is just a, it's just a shell for what I'm really doing is I'm just promoting my own stuff. And I thought, wow, that is so brilliant and also kind of so sleazy too. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me wonder, I wonder how many of these, when you go to these review sites, you know, people, especially electronics and gadgets, and well, most of those are just Amazon affiliate links too. So that's probably the, the bulk of that stuff, but you never know. Your point is so well taken that they ask they don't they don't provide any information they just ask you all the same questions that you're asking. Are you wondering how big this vacuum cleaner was? We're all wondering how big this vacuum cleaner is. If you're wondering, scroll on and then you scroll on. Yeah, right. The size of this vacuum is under a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about uh, that was uh, I was I was uh, lost on some of those uh, net worth websites because I was trying to find out your net worth. 
and it's a, it's I, a billion a billion dollars I, it's somewhere I, between a hundred hundred dollars yeah, and a that's, billion that's the one that i saw somewhere between a thousand <laughs> and a million dollars okay somewhere, somewhere in that range um uh, but uh, it was exactly that. They got down to all of those like to just copy the Wikipedia format. So they'll be like, is, you know, is where does Steve live? When was he born? And a lot of the information uh, is just scraped off of the Internet. I get it. So they, they get the basic information. They had your birth date and they had your 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 birth sign and stuff like that. Um, and they had your net worth, as I found out. But when it came to the uh, marriage part, they they, they had the algorithm uh, or they had that like AI text and it just said, Steve Ramsey is very protective and private about his personal life. <laughs> We're still investigating whether or not he's single or uh, married or divorced or whatnot. But, and we will fill this out as soon as possible. And I was like, I'm sure you have a team of crack investigators. Yeah. Investigators. They're like the worst ones ever if they can't figure out if I'm married or not. Scouring all of Steve's videos <laughs> to see any mention of children or. <laughs> oh my God. That, that's horrible. We, we, we were going to do a, our bigger topic here, and I want to get yes. to that, which is going to be fun. But I also, I wanted to mention about a video I posted yesterday, which I thought was going to be killer. And I thought it was really cool. I spent 16 days snapping this tape measure back and forth 10,000 times. I thought this is a great, funny video. I spent a lot of time working on the video. It was one of my favorites recently. Bam, I got the, the confetti. You know, you get like number one. Feels so good, right? Oh, yeah. Feels so good. This is like the, the best day of my entire life ever because I got the confetti. <laughs> number one out of 10. Woohoo. Four hours later, boom, drops down to number five. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Why? Now, so those, these are, okay. So I think it was A&E that had a show uh, on. It was called The First 48. And it, it oh, follows yeah. detectives um, investigating a murder or like a very serious crime. You know, I think there are always murders. Uh, and it follows the first 48 hours of the investigation, the way that they find. And when you told me this yesterday, uh, I'm like, this is a really good idea to talk about on the podcast. Like the first 24 of <laughs> launching a video, the ups and downs and like what goes through your head. Um, so A, I wanted to ask you, uh, how? why did you... Or what made this video be like, this is going to be a big, like, this is a video which will do well if if all of the stars align? I think because the title, I snapped a tape measure 10,000 times, here's what happened. That's like classic YouTube title right there. You know, I did so something, you got a, here's what happened. You got a great title. You got a thumbnail great Thumbnail was, I have, because I had two thumbnails. The first one was a real simple one, and it said bad idea oh, that <laughs> which i thought was kind of good because that sort of supports the the the, the title you know and so I, again i'm trying to do the title thumbnail different things you could w look at one or the other and still be intriguing so the first one that was the the bad idea one and that's the one that got me up to number one out of ten and then after a few hours all of a sudden i noticed it was at number five maybe a couple hours after that is when i decided to switch the thumbnail to the you'll ruin it thumbnail but what i noticed is that it wasn't that the video dropped in views i think it was that those one through four at that point had gained views Searched. so because it, it seems pretty steady. You think you can try to be a detective and figure it out, but I just, I just can't. 
I think we we used to think that there was like a day or a time that they like paid attention. And if it, here's what I think. I think you release a video and the first people who get it are your audience. And then your audience, they, they base it off of, okay, here's a hundred thousand people in your audience. And then we served your brand new video to them first. 34% of your audience was all over this and that's actually good for your video. So this is a very good start. Clearly this video seems to be something. And then like we, we track the retention, people are watching the video. It seems to be working well for your audience. Let's share this with the rest of the world or let's start putting this in the recommended engine and start getting it out there to a larger audience. We have both had examples where we've seen it happen. We can put our finger on it and be like, this is the time when it's either going in the Google Pixel news feed or it's gone into YouTube recommended or it's on Google somehow in the search results or whatever it may be. It's it's received the blessing from, from, from the Pope and now it's kind of like moving on. We used to think, especially with shorts, because you, you kind of saw this, it used to be in and around six or seven days. On day six or day seven was when they were like, let's tally all this up and now let's shoot it to the moon or, or like whatever. It just like put it like this is a good video to kind of do that. And then that kind of made it where it's like maybe the first 24 hours are just like irrelevant. Like maybe like no one cares because it's just going out to your subscribers. So it doesn't matter. The video will do well whether or not you launch it at a certain time or da, da 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 like within the first 24 hours they're really just giving you a feeling for like what like what this video is going to be and i don't think that that's the case anymore i think the moment you release it it goes in and they start measuring it really quickly and i think they know within 15 minutes of a video being uploaded whether or not they're truly going to get behind it or not and the whole thought of like letting it sit and da da da. I think it's either an ongoing process and either you can fall in and fall out. Like I think you just hit a certain velocity seems to be the big thing that they are. And anybody who uh, uses TubeBuddy or has the little TubeBuddy plugin will notice on videos, it'll say what the velocity per hour is, which is how much like oomph does this video have? Like as soon as we release this, way more people were interested in it. And there's a bunch of conversations happening as in like, does this just automatically happen in the background or is this also dependent upon your thumbnail or your title? Or does it come down to like whether the video is actually interesting or not agnostic to whether it has a good title or a thumbnail? All of that used to be like, oh, there was like a schedule to all of this. Now it's just, I don't know, even people who follow it as closely as we do are like, you're left with like a few hours after releasing a number one video it's an average video. And the messaging changes on YouTube too, doesn't it? Because not only does the confetti go away, but they're like, oh, maybe try, maybe take a look at your analytics. And <laughs> exactly. See how you can do better. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I can see now on this, okay, so here it is, you know, a, a day later, and I can see where that curve was going up. And then it started to level off at 14 hours, which is kind of interesting. And so now it's kind of coming back down to that gray zone that most of my videos fall into. One thing that was interesting is what I, and I didn't realize this before is I was on this uh, video chat with these uh, shorts creator team. They've got, I've got like a shorts partner and, but they, they wanted to go through this analytics you know, just basic Google. I ended up dropping out of it because I was like, yeah, I already know most of this stuff. 
But one of the things that she said that was really interesting is that, you know, in your when you're looking at your analytics, one of those things is when is your audience online? And she just said, flat out, it doesn't matter. That doesn't affect when you post your video, doesn't matter at all. YouTube doesn't care. That algorithm doesn't care that, you know, people, because, and I always kind of wondered that myself when you see that. It's like, what's the best time of the day? You know, it's going to show up in people's feeds. Doesn't matter. And and then it's all a percentage game either way, which is exactly what I was suggesting, which also leads to another kind of point that I wanted to talk about, which is then does it actually really matter whether you have a good thumbnail or a good title? Because if it's just a video, which, and we do videos which fall, like fill different buckets. Sometimes we do a video because it's fun and it's different and we want to try something new. And there's that bucket. There's the bucket of the videos that the people who watch us want to watch. And then there's the bucket which we kind of created ourselves, which is like, what are all the subjects that we want to talk about that we haven't talked about? And we're going to make a video about it. And we, I find when we make a video which is about like, um, uh, most recently we made a, a video about how to use your washing machine and as much as there's a bunch of laundry videos on youtube and there's a bunch of whatever there's really no 18 minute long video which goes through and tells you what permapress is and what how this setting works and what is actually happening in maybe there are but there's not to like kind of <laughs> side note i don't know any of that stuff i should watch your video because i just push it's, like the auto regular normal <laughs> boom <laughs> right. And so, and a lot of people had questions about like, what is a normal cycle? What does a new normal cycle? And especially with like new high efficiency machines, they work differently. The The way the machine uh, spins around is very, it's like all of the bumps inside the machine. Like there's so much awesomeness. And we're like, this is a fantastic, like anybody who really, anybody who's sending their kid off to college could just be like, you want to learn how to, you know, use a washing machine? Here's a, here's literally just a video, which is just all about that. And we thought it was brilliant. Well, it is brilliant, but like, it's not a video that's going to like take over the world. It's not going to trend or it's not going to whatever. And we have like long tail aspects to our video where our videos do well for just a very long period of time because clearly in a year from now, someone's probably going to still be interested in, in, but then you get wrapped up in that, oh, have I made the best possible thumbnail for this video? And you're fighting a losing battle because it's like the video out of the gate is only going to appeal to, we find that when we do videos about like cleaning up after your kid or cleaning up after your pet. In our heads, everybody on the internet loves cats and would love to watch a video about how to clean up after cats, but you already have like narrowed down your audience so much where you have 100,000 people, well, only 50,000 of those people might be pet owners. So out of the gate, you're already going to get a smaller... It's unfortunate because it seems like every video gets compared just against the last nine videos or every other video that you put out. And there's no nuance. Because you're, especially in your content, so much of it is search related. Right. Right. And we have to make videos, everybody, every creator. And this has been a subject. And I, like, I think there should be an entire episode dedicated to this mindset of like, whatever your video is, you have to figure out the best way to advertise it and put it in the most attractive packaging so people will watch it versus just the thought of like knowing when to stop the ever growing need to like get more to it and just understand that this is what this video does and this is the purpose for it and we've chosen a thumbnail for it and a title for it and off it goes because following up 
our last podcast episode where I was telling you all about the thumbnail work that I was putting in, it, it gets a little frustrating when you do put really amazing thumbnails. That's like lipstick on a pig, I think is the saying, yeah, where it's, it's like, true. you're not, you're, you're spinning your wheels. You're, you're putting amazing thumbnails together, but perhaps it's just not going to work because the title plays off of the thumbnail. The thumbnail plays off of the title and both of those things play off the actual subject of the video. So you need to just have like a realistic view of that. But when it's compared against your last nine videos, there's no context. Of course, yeah. Three videos ago, you released a short that had three million views. Or sorry, well, it does separate them from shorts, though. Yeah. Right, I realize. I realize that. Yeah. Perhaps whatever. More recently, you released this amazing video that everybody was wanting, and you put a whole bunch of work. And so, of course, that was clearly video number one. So, comparing any other video against that is kind of. And I find that a lot of the systems that Google has in place on their Creator Studio, just like smooths over that so much and it's just like out of your last 10 videos this one's a loser steve wah, wah. and that one of the things i've really pulled away from is basically giving a crap about search i don't think it's relevant for most of what i do anymore i think there, there used to be a time when i was really interested in like making sure that it was highly searchable. And even YouTube tells you the keywords, they don't use keywords anymore. They haven't used keywords in like 10 years. And yet people still, still fill out that keyword box. And even on the Google, when you post a video, it says on there, or the tags, is it called tags or keywords? Tags, it says tags. right there. This is only for maybe if somebody misspells something. It's like, this don't worry make, about it. It doesn't mean this shit. This is to make you feel good about yourself. Yeah, so I don't, like, I don't do any of that. And then the, the gaming of the, the... And I still see people who are woodworker maker channels and they, they try to game these titles. And it's a, they come up with these really, really awkward titles. You know, Walnut End Table slash Woodworking Project slash... I don't know. It, it, it's just so awkward because that's not the way search works and it hasn't worked that way in well over 10 years you know google got away from those kind of it's all contextual now so you just put the title in there that is what it is you add a description because google's listening to what you're saying in the video itself in the video anyways so thinking that you're gonna like put a slap a title on there and a thumbnail <laughs> and everybody all of a sudden is gonna be like holy crap, I am really interested in learning how to clean my shoes. Such <laughs> is not the case. A, th a fantastic thumbnail and a great title is not going to get away from you in that video talking about your yeah. cleaning a shoe. Do you want to do this uh, thing we Let's talked about? Okay. Let's do it. Let's absolutely do it. So it's called, How Well Do You Know Your Channel? And I think it actually might be fun to maybe for some uh, for some of our guests, well, we could, we could try this same thing. And I just basically went through um, a random YouTube account that I had. So it wasn't the Clean My Space one, very specifically, and I'll explain why in a second. Uh, and I went into the analytics, I went into Creator Studio, and I went into analytics, and I started digging around, and I started finding some of the more obscure analytics that are available, not obscure, but some of the more like very specific analytics which are available um, for a channel. And these are and, ones that you would think, or at least I would think that I would know, but apparently I didn't. And also ones that can change uh, quickly, like as in if you've been paying attention to your analytics, you know, you, you were doing it very closely two years ago, those could be completely different than the audience that you have attracted over the past 28 days, which is kind of like the default setting. So every 28 days or so, this information, as much as it for the most part is going to 
be in line with your audience, it, it varies quite a bit. Um, so I, I, I picked some easy ones, like ones that you should probably know. And then I picked some which were a little bit more obscure or whatever, but that you would probably have a hunch about like, well, this is something that whatever. So I sent Steve a questionnaire. I think it had about 10 questions. Uh, and he filled it out without looking at it. Yeah, without checking his... first. And I honestly, I hadn't looked at my dem at my analytics other than that first page in quite a while. It's just not something I do. So it was. It it certainly. And I mean, I I I look at it quite a bit. However, I realized even though I do look at it quite a bit, there's a bunch of stuff that you kind of like look past without really absorbing or thinking about. And especially when you're not looking at those numbers and you just think about your audience, it's. It, it, it just is. In my head, the Clean My Space audience is much different than when I end up looking at the analytics. So uh, I put this together. I asked about 10 questions. Steve filled them out last night. I filled them out last night for Clean My Space. He obviously did woodworking for mere mortals. We'll do Steve Ramsey Plus next week. <laughs> Nobody watches that channel. <laughs> so, uh, so how well do you know your channel? So right. we'll go through. We'll answer them, and then uh, I guess we should pull up our statistics and, and actually have our analytics here so we can answer them at the same time. I'll, I'll say what the question is. Steve will put what his answer is down, and I'll put what mine is, and then we'll find out what the actual answers are. So the very first question is, what is the age range of one of your viewers? So with the way it works with YouTube is it's not just like what the average age is. It falls into categories, 13 to 17, 18 to 24, 25 to 34, 35 to 44, 45 to 54, 55 to 64. And then all those poor people who are over 65 <laughs> all get lumped into the same, those poor same category. Those so poor people. So I, this has been, as far as demographics, this is something I pretty much knew that it was going to be 35 to 44. So and let's also, I, I should have added, what is the second one? Because quite often these two can be very close. Like it'll be 20% this group and like 21% this group. So do you know if it uh, airs? More so I would towards say 55 to 64 or more towards 25, 34 for the second part? I would say the second one would probably be a little bit younger. And I think that that has changed over the years. But let me check this real quick. Okay, so I was wrong. I, my, my number one age bracket is 25 to 34, 32%. And, 32? And okay. get this, the number two at 31% is 18 to 24 I think we've always assumed that our audience is older because we're older. Like as in, it, it, we seem yeah. to be wanting to talk to people who are us, our contemporaries in that way. So I said the same thing. I said 34 to 44. And um, I also said the same thing. We also do um, trend younger. And I think the main reason for that is because people are discovering Clean My Space for the same reason people are discovering Clean My Space back in the day. They're moving into their house for the, full the first time. They're on their own for the first time or they've, just been like faced with like, oh, I need to like learn how to clean. So then you come across us. Our number one is 25 to 34, hmm. 26%. And number two is 35 to 44, which is 21%. But here's the thing that really, really interested me. Our uh, 13 to 17 year old is less than a percent, as in <laughs> No one, no 16-year-olds are watching our content. They would never admit to that. 
However, what's the percentage of 65 plus for you, Steve? In well, the 4.5. So ours is 12%. And here's hmm. the reason why. One of the things that we learned about our channel was the amount of widowers who ended up watching our channel. People oh. who came from a more traditional household where one of the partners were just the ones doing the work. And now for whatever the reason may be, that partner is not able to or around to do that work anymore. And we have someone who's we've received countless emails from you know whatever i'm 74 my wife passed away da, da, da. i now need to learn how to clean a well, toilet nice kind of sad but nice <laughs> and it's sad but nice but it, and again it puts into perspective kind of like you think you know what your audience is it's a bunch yeah. of college kids learn needing to learn because their parents didn't to whatever and then you hear all of the different stories and you see all of the different demographics so when people. you know that your audience skews toward you said the largest was 25 to 34 right uh yes yeah that's the same here and so does that affect the way you present content or do you think that in any way? I think it's a self-fulfilling prof prophecy because we always wanted our content to be like we wanted kids to be able to watch it and we wanted old people to be able to watch it. We never wanted to be speaking to one particular group and we and did you, that you don't want to be hey fellow kids right you know, and we yeah. also didn't want to be like hey girls it's yeah. cleaning you know where your husband makes oh, yeah. it. We, we had to deal with that that was the biggest thing actually was the sex the the, the battle of the sexist things because very early on we had 15 percent way back in the day it was 15 percent of the people who watched our channels were men 85% women. So it was one of those very skewed however we focused and we paid attention to the 15 percent that were men because we literally, especially when we had 10,000 subscribers, we're like, that's 1,500 men. And 1,500 men don't want endless videos about cleaning your handbag, cleaning your purse, yeah. cleaning your this. And it's very easy in this space to kind of gear it towards like, hey, ladies, hey, girls, or like Melissa just being comfortable in YouTube and being too YouTube and being too familiar with your audience and just being like, as you all know, like we used to use that kind of language, as you know, as you guys yeah. know, it's like, no, they don't know. Yeah, that's They don't know right. anything about you. Well, yeah. that actually so. brings us to the next one on your yes. questionnaire is uh, what's the demographic male to female ratio? So could, could we have more polar opposite channels? <laughs> yeah, for really? this one. <laughs> so my guess was was 94% male on my channel. And I think at one point it might have been that way. But I was surprised when I checked that I'm 89% male, 9.2% okay. female, 0.9% user specified. Yeah, that we have that <laughs> we have 0.1% user specified. <laughs> I guess that's the they's, right? That is the they's, the, yes, and the them's. Uh, I put 70% female because that was one I, I I really do pay close attention to that one. So I know it is a 70-30 mix at Clean My Space. Okay. And it is 69.4 to 30.5 is the actual breakdown. Thank you to the 0.1% user specified people. Huh. So I, that was really no surprise there. I think I, I, for a long time, I used to think, well, I wonder how I can attract more women to the channel. And I don't think that that should ever really be a goal to try to attract certain demographics is just present the information and let them find it. And if you tried to do it, it would be just so like over the head and like how to make a wooden it handbag. Could, exactly. It could come across <laughs> as really condescending right. too. Yeah. You know, now we're going to make a ladies project because I'm painting it pink. 
you, know, you ladies was, can do this one in the kitchen. Yeah, that was that would be pretty, <laughs> pretty bad. Let's. You want to do a couple more of these? Yeah, let's let's see if we can get through all of them. What percentage of video view? I like this one. What percentage of video views comes from subscribers? So the amount of people who watch an average, yeah, uh, woodworking for mere mortals video who are already subscribed to your channel. So I guessed forty five percent. I was way off. Twenty nine percent. All right, all you YouTubers who are listening to this and wondering what the core takeaway of this entire thing is. <laughs> you don't make videos for subscribers. 71% not subscribers. My guess was 40 and I did my best to underserve it because I know, especially recently, um, it's, it's lower than that, but it is 27%. 72%. And we get about 3 million views a month, yeah. which means 2.2 um, million of those views are from people who are not subscribed and don't know who we are. Does that change over your lifetime? The lifetime on mine is a little higher. 33% subscribed, 66% not subscribed watch. And I think that makes sense because that's because the channel is so old back in the day, the subscription thing was a little bit different. My so, numbers are identical, 72 and 27. So even over the lifetime of the um, uh, of the lifetime of the channel, the vast majority of people are not subscribed and don't know who Clean My Space is. So think about that next time you sit down to make a video and speak to that audience, which you've been doing yeah. for however many years. You've Begging been doing. people to subscribe. Hey, right? everybody. And also just speaking so when we, it was like a switch that got flipped. As soon as we realized how many times we take so many liberties in the way that we speak and present, and it's, it's this video which ends up getting a million views and ends up being watched by 73% of those million people don't know that. Yeah, remember in that last video? Yeah. They, they don't remember in that last video. They don't know what you talked about before. They don't know what you always say. They don't whatever. So that's why we, one of our big things was going back. And at the beginning of each of our videos, we say her name, we give the, the elevator pitch of what our value opportunity is. And then we go into the video because that's, that's to address the 72% of people who don't know who we are. Let's move on to the next one. After the U.S. and Canada, what are the top three countries in order? Okay, so I really was kind of surprised by this one. Okay, we're assuming that U.S. and Canada are the top two countries. Yes. <laughs> I was true. too. And okay, so I put after the U.S. and Canada, the top three countries, I guessed, U.K., Australia, Germany. So I was surprised to find out that number one is of course United States. Number two is not Canada, it's India. Yes. Number three is the UK. Number four is Canada. Germany is down at number five. Australia isn't even in the top five. And that really surprises me a lot. So 41% well, is United States. So it's also interesting to note that less than half of my audience is in the United States. You could look at it that way. And the India percentage always was eyebrow raising. I think it's just because they have such an active YouTube community in India and also um, an interest in um, English speaking content, which also is, is a thing. So it's no huge surprise that like Australia and the United Kingdom. But doesn't the Canada thing surprise you? I mean, 5%. I'm going to stop making these hockey videos. We don't like your content, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> 
is, is the core of it. So wow, uh, my, just... uh, crazy, right? So mine was, uh, so you said UK, Australia, and Germany. I said the UK, India, and Australia. Mine, uh, ours, excuse me. Um, the United States of America is 50%. Canada is 80%. United Kingdom is 7%. Wow, I guess Canada doesn't even really like our content. Stupid Canadians. <laughs> um, India is 6% and Australia is 3%. So again, India being that kind of like surprise for both of us. However, I've spoken to many creators um, and it is usually a top three or four country for all of them. I guess India just has a massive YouTube community. What percentage of viewers rung the notification bell? Remember when you had to tell everyone to, Don't ring, forget the to ring the bell? Don't forget to ring the notification <laughs> bell. Ding, it's ding. the only way you're going to get notified. So, <laughs> who wants to be notified by God? I would drive me crazy to get notifications for a channel every time they uploaded something. Especially yeah. all the channels that you notify, like you, you subscribe to. It just be. Okay, so I guessed uh, 10%. And I said 8%. So the actual number there is 8.4%. But there's also a subcategory. It says subscribers who turned on all notifications for your channel and enabled, enabled YouTube, YouTube notifications. notifications. What does that mean? I have Isn't... no idea. And that's half. That's 4.4. So... so one of the things that YouTube does here is they say typical on YouTube is 10 to 30%. I don't know who has 30% of their subscribers. Anyways, I said 8 Eight percent, because I, I, as much as we really went hard on telling people, and we still do, we show the little animation of the bell and da 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 da. Uh, it's twelve point seven percent, which is a lot higher than I thought. So there you go. That's not bad. That that certainly probably helps videos out of the gate when people get notifications and they can and they can check it out. Yeah, I wonder and how many. Is, what's the percentage of that twelve percent who click on the video? That's a good point. And oh, the larger point deeper. is. How long before that just becomes an irrelevant thing that just doesn't even get mentioned anymore? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? It, like, it just becomes one of those things where it's like, oh, remember when there used to be the notification bell? But now, as soon as you subscribe, everybody just gets notifications or something like that? I'm not too sure. All right. We got a couple more and then we'll wrap this up. What is your top earning video money-wise? Okay. So I guessed the, uh, I have a video on how to make a cross-cut sled because it seems in the... Back of my mind, I remember that one doing really well. So the actual, in the last 28 days, that one is the top video. So I got that one right. The simplest table saw crosscut sled on YouTube. So that one did really well. So these are all pretty recent videos on mm -hmm. here. Um, but there's like a perennial favorite on here. Number five, what kind of finish should you use? Which is just always does really well and... That one I posted probably six years ago, maybe. But if I look at Lifetime, you know how much money I made off of a beginner's guide to pocket hole joinery over the years? $25,428. That's wow. my number one. That's not I don't bad. know if that's Art a lot or not good, or I don't really know how, to, I have no comparison to what other people are doing or anything, so... I mean, that's a lot of money for a video. If one could make $25,000 over six years off of any video, that's a, a remarkable amount of money. Uh, so this is lifetime top earning videos. Ours has always been the same. Seven expert cleaning tips, which is the same video that we use as our trailer um, because just randomly Melissa did a really great intro and it just it would, ended up being an excellent elevator pitch. 
uh, and it just uh, expert cleaning tips. So there was a bunch of reasons why we think that one did well. And um, that one was released in 2016. So I guess that's about the same old as six years old. And that has made $48,000. Wow. So, yes. And then that leads to the next point. What was your, is, what's your top in the past 28 days? Is it a, is it a recent video? It is a recent, it is the most recent video that did, has done incredibly well, which is 21 cleaning hacks, um, which is just like a super cut of cleaning hacks and it has a lot in there. So it's a longer video. So there's more ads. So it does make sense. Plus the retention of that video does very well. Plus it attracts a lot of non-subscribers. So it does uh, usually 4X, whatever the, the, the next second video is. And it's super interesting to note that your most popular videos on my channel, the most watched videos aren't the top earning videos. So, and that's why I put the question in because it's very easy to be like, well, my top video is this. Our top video is a video about a uh, mattress. It has 15 million views or something like that. It doesn't make a whole lot of <laughs> like a lot of money. Yeah. And a lot of those views were actually not fully monetized views. That was back in the day that people could embed videos on uh, on a website or something like that, which means ads weren't playing on it, but the video view kind of registers. So just because a video gets a bunch of views, it does not necessarily mean it ends up being your top earning video. The thing that really does make a difference is CPM. So Steve, what's your CPM? Okay, so this one surprised me then. I guessed eight CPM and right now my CPM is 1398, which is extraordinarily high for me from what I remember I think that if I go like oh shit last 90 days 14 is even higher so I guess 14 I believe uh which is usually in around the average and I kind of know like I I've known our number for a while however over the past 30 days it's 16 dollars huh. and in the month of January it was 20 dollars so again you see the fluctuation with ours quite a bit in February it probably was 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 a lot lower than that uh, simply because it can uh, anyways for those who, who are listening uh CPM uh, means effective uh, cost per milli. So cost per 1,000 views tells you how much an advertiser is paying you for a 1,000 monetized playback of your content. So you release a video and it gets a 1,000 views and you have a $15 CPM, you will make $15 off of that content or an advertiser would have to pay you, give or take, $15 for you to produce a video. You can get more if someone watches more of an ad, as in they don't click skip now and then they click through and they sign up to it. Like, obviously, it can scale to probably a few, well, however much it ends up being. Um, but if, if at the bare minimum, you produce a video, it gets a thousand views. And at the beginning of that video, a thousand times there was a skip ad and people had to watch the first five seconds, you will get $15 in an give or take $15 for those thousand views. So if you get 10,000 views, it's 150 bucks, 100,000 views, $1,500, a million views. So that kind of gives you a, people who are wondering how much can you make off of a video that gets a million views? Well, if you have a $10 CPM, you'll probably make $1,000 off of a video that gets a million views. And if you have a channel like a financial channel, your CPM is going to be crazy high, $30, Law, $40. Law is a huge one. And that's also because CPM is 
related to the value of the customer on the other side yeah so a client for a, a law firm someone who's interested in starting a case or like whatever clearly that's perhaps hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars to the value of that someone who's looking to get an elevator installed in their house it's clearly that that val the value associated and with us the reason why ours is higher than the vast majority of people is um, uh, uniqueness as in there's not many people in the space and in this space there's lots of multi-billion dollar companies procter and gamble like so they it's easier to of, identify your audience and who uh, who that brand that matches with it better say for instance take a comedy channel what do you think of when you think of products and comedy? It's hard. There's like, well, I don't know. It could be anything. And so those are notoriously low. $3, $2, sometimes even like in the dollar range. So conversely, you're releasing a video that gets a million views, but because it's unfocused, advertisers don't really understand what your target demographic is, or it's a lot of kids or it's people who are just passive watching then yeah you're not going to get as much so a video that gets a million views from a comedian versus a million views from someone who whatever has a more detailed specific uh, or niche channel and, and that's why even though you have a very niche subject like whatever electric guitars that makes it way more valuable for guitar electric guitar manufacturers to understand that the people that are watching this content so therefore, you don't get as much traction, but you're going to make up for it because your CPM is probably going to I thought your next question was interesting, and it's related to that. How many, what percentage of your ads, of ads on your channel are non-skippable? And mm -hmm. I put 0% because I don't think, because I think when you post a video, you can check the type of ad you want. And I, I always have it, it's probably set to a default to, I don't want those non-skippable ads on my channel because it's just people just hate those things. And I, I remember when I used to have ads on videos or when I would watch videos before I had YouTube premium. And if one of those came on, I, there was a real good chance I would just like, ah, skip it. I'm not going to watch this video. I don't want to sit through this thing. So I was surprised that skippable ads on or non-skippable ads account 2.1% uh, of my revenue. So at some point, I must have some of those still on videos. And I remember a discussion I had years ago when I had a YouTube partner manager and I asked her about that. And she said, oh yeah, click it, put a, it's just the more ads you get out there, the better, the better. And I remember feeling, I don't know if I really liked it. It's the same with the, the mid-roll ads. For the most part, I try to uncheck those because I think that really ruins the experience too. But I don't know, I'd probably make a lot more money on AdSense if I had those checked. About a year ago, I think they made it where it just by default always yes. uh, now makes it. Because for, for a very long time, you could control, I think you still can, you can control where the ads went. You could decide how many mid-rolls you wanted or what felt comfortable. And back in those days, we used to literally make the videos knowing where we were going to put an ad. So I would literally put a little dip in the, the video. And then it just moved to like, just let you know, you, you obviously you trust the algorithm best and they'll optimize it to, they want the most money. So that'll get me the most money. So it was easy to leave it in YouTube's hand. But for a while I would just, you know, um, uh, select whatever YouTube thinks is best. And then the only option to your point was, um, do you want to put include non-skippable ads? And then you used to put bracket, this might lead to viewer, right. viewers leaving. Yeah. 
And it was kind of ominous. But then I remember in my logical mind, I'm like, well, if someone's willing to pay for a non-skippable ad, I guarantee you they're willing to pay top dollar for like, they understand that these creators are like, uh, but it, I'm sure the reward would be worth it. So again, all of those people who are listening, who have YouTube channels, listening to Chad and Steve have a podcast for little gems, little gems of information. <laughs> so I put 5% because we, we always encourage non-skippable ads. Mm -hmm. I always selected it because I'm like, cool, let's see what happens. But I was very surprised when I saw the actual number is 10% for us. Oh, wow. And for the amount of money that we make per month on YouTube, just through ad revenue, it's a substantial, like I see why they were like, you might want to click this because that's a substantial amount of, that's thousands of dollars. All right, last one. Here we go. What percent, and I like this one because you, you mentioned this earlier. What percentage of people use YouTube search to find your content? So this is a good one, especially with today's algorithm and the recommendation engine because we both have acknowledged several times like how amazing it is to get discovered because someone's watching someone else's content and YouTube is recommending. But this is people who are going to search and typing how to make a something and coming across, you know, Steve Ramsey's content. What percentage is that? So I guessed that my percentage would be 30%. It was way off. It's 5.5%. Uh, my videos are found through search. 70. Really? Well, see here again, it, it's it's a little skewed because of the shorts. The shorts, they should probably separate that in these analytics because the, the shorts traffic is number one. The, the uh, shorts feed traffic source types is 72%. Ours are a little bit more pure because we don't yeah. do shorts my whole channel is tainted by shorts ha! Uh, i said 40 percent, which is cl still clearly way too high but ours is 26 percent, and that's still more than a few though so yeah. if you know a million people are watching your content every month two hundred and sixty thousand of them are coming through how to clean you know your toilet or whatever whatever search that they they ended up but your numbers have been so affected by like even lifetime, yeah. your number. I saw you posted the other day, not the other day, quite a while ago about celebrating 250 million views. Right. And whatever, I was randomly on Social Blade the other day and I, you're at like 280 already. Like you've yeah. done 30 million, like the, the traction you get on shorts literally throws all of your analytics. Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's, so it's, it's hard for me to analyze my analytics because... I had a guy on my other podcast who has, he's like really leaning into shorts, but he's got one short. I think I sent that to you. It was like 41 million views of him mixing color in a, right. like plaster or something in a bucket. That's it. Wasn't no, there, it mud? Nothing. It's, it's not it. even it's paint, drywall mud or something. It's yeah. mud that you And so he's see. just like mixing a color in it and that's it. 41 million views. And it's unremarkable. It's not even like I've seen videos. That, it's like, not even like paint. there's there's no conclusion. There's no. It's just that's is it. He's just T tinting a. He picked up the camera. Went, yeah, I'll show shoot this. See what happens. Boom, forty one million views. You uh, just you, you kind of just want to throw your hands up and say what what am I doing here? Yeah, I guess you can see why all of these people have issues with shorts. Yeah, maybe. Well. 
that was that was really enlightening and i i surprised myself in several ways and i think we should we should try this again with some some different some different statistics oh and and i have uh, another really fun segment to do Great. with you maybe we'll do that in the next episode it's called steve ramsey fact or fiction <laughs> it's all, all right, fiction. So there's, there you, it's all <laughs> fiction so we'll leave that as we'll leave that, that as a sounds teaser. great so uh if uh you want to get in touch with us i don't know i don't even know how you get in touch with we us have a anymore. website we have a website <laughs> as much as we just it. bashed having a website or you can follow you know what you can follow us on on instagram actually is instagram is probably the one platform that we do our best to like update and 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 do stuff so if you want to find out when a new episode of chat and steve of a podcast is coming out go over to instagram and find us chat and steve have a podcast on instagram sounds good thanks for listening everybody